Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God, especially the Book of Acts Church, to see how they served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible Study is always taking a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God to use as our model, as our example. Our desire is to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deep into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one man created, because the church age is not over. And what happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth, and you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you will, Go to firefalltalkradio.com for ways to do so. Currently, you can do it via PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. But if you need more information, just write to us. Hopefully, we'll have other options very soon. We We appreciate your support and encouragement. Believe me, we do. And welcome to all of our listeners from the very streaming platforms, which hopefully you are subscribed to so that when another session of The Porch goes up, You'll know it. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others, let us know. The prayer email went out on Monday. Hopefully you got it. If you're on the list and you didn't get it, check your spam folder or junk mail, whatever you want to call it, and see if it's there. If not, let me know, and we'll do a test email to see what's going on. We care about you, and we want to pray for you. Make sure you subscribe to us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We post things. We do encouraging um, posts. We want to be interactive with you as much as possible, and we want to keep you up to date and inspired. Father, we come to you now because we are inspired by your Holy Spirit to draw closer to you. How desperately we need you. We need your presence in our life. We need your favor in our life. We trust you and love you. We praise you for all that we have. Homes, families, if we have pets, furry kids, possessions, everything I have, I praise you for. I have nothing and I am nothing without you. Thank you for the home, the technology, all these things, Lord, that you have given, that you protect, that you cover, that you are the shield about us, the glory and the lifter of our head. We thank you for being in a time and a country where we can still do this, listen, and be outspoken, outward believers in Yeshua. We know, according to prophecy, that won't always be the way. But now it is the way, because you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through you. So we thank you. We thank you for all that we have. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, the upper room. We thank you for your word. We ask that you protect this technology, that you watch over us, that you guide us, that you Touch your children as they listen, Lord. Let them hear what you want them to hear. See what you want them to see. Become what you need them and want them to be, enveloped in your love, being fruitful and productive. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name. If you agree with me, say amen.
These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're talking about being fruitful, following up last week's Bible study. Go with me to John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he trims so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. The branch cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides on the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and is dried up. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. In this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. Who are we grafted into? We're grafted into Yeshua. He is the true vine. And you must be attached to that vine for the proper quality of fruit. No fruit is better than the vine that produces it. And there is no other vine but him. And in this illustration, the sap that flows through the, the, the vine into the branches and creates fruit is the Holy Spirit. So unless we are fundamentally connected to him, the quality of our fruitfulness will be unacceptable. There may be many branches, and there are. But if they are to bear the right kind of fruit, they must all be attached to the same vine. Now, this aspect of bearing fruit covers many aspects of the life of a believer, but it includes that of your spiritual character, effective service, and mission for the kingdom of God as a believer in Yeshua. Now, someone wrote me this week an email after listening to last week's Bible study and was concerned because they didn't believe that they were fruitful. They, didn't build, they weren't teachers or evangelists. They didn't see how that they could produce fruit to do what we're talking about. And what I want to show you tonight and probably for a couple of weeks is how you already produce fruit and how you can produce more fruit because the world needs it. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, look at that first part of verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is singular. And it emphasizes that these qualities are mutually dependent aspects of the life of a believer. Those things will be a part of your life because the Holy Spirit will produce it. So some of the pressure is off right there. You don't produce this fruit. He produces it fruit through you. Vine, branches, that's you, fruit. Vine is Yeshua, you, the Holy Spirit produces fruit through you. True spirituality comes from living under the control of the Holy Spirit. And it is evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit, spiritual maturity and growing in holiness. It's it's great to come here on Wednesday nights and get inspired. It's great to... to do everything we do, but if we don't apply it, if I don't help you 
take what you hear to take it out into the world. What's the point? I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to tickle your ears or just keep you occupied. I'm here to change you so that you can be the person and the believer and the follower that he desires you to be, that he needs you to be. There must be manifestation. There must be something we produce that replicates him, that replicates us. The spiritual life and growth of a believer in this example is likened to a fruit-bearing tree. And we can tell if it's a good tree by the fruit it produces. And so in us, in our life, our attitudes and our behavior should reflect the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. We should reflect the presence of the Holy Spirit. That word reflect is a verb. It means to throw or bend back like light or sound from a surface. It also means to give back or to show an image of an object like from a mirror. Also means to make apparent, express, or manifest. All three of those things apply. We should be reflecting the Holy Spirit from the Lord off of us to the world. We must be showing an image like from a mirror of him. And it should be manifested for all to see. What's the point of hoarding fruit and keeping it hidden? No, the point of it is to share it. The point of it is to feed others, to nourish them. That's why he chose you. John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now we know he's speaking directly to the disciples, but by speaking to them, he's speaking to us. According to the gospel, according to this word, accepting the gospel, accepting the good news is a form of spiritual fruit, according to the Lord. So, right off the bat, the minute that you made Yeshua, the minute you made Jesus Lord of your life, you began to produce fruit. You didn't know that, did you? He tells us that in the example of sowing the seed in Luke eighteen fifteen, he said but the ones that fell on good ground the seeds of the gospel that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience mark four twenty. but these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word accept it and bear fruit some thirtyfold some sixty and some a hundred Seeds planted, watered fruit comes out. Did you plant the seed? Did you sow until the ground? No. He did that. The Holy Spirit did that. So if you're sharing the good news of salvation with people and planting seeds, those seeds bear fruit, the fruit of repentance, fruit of deliverance, the fruit of transformation. So even if you're not preaching the gospel or do, standing up in front of people, if you're just telling people the good news about what Yeshua did for you, you're producing fruit. And the amazing thing that I saw for the first time today, that weeds that should have been burned in the fire through the miraculous transformation of salvation have now become fruit-bearing vines. So even before eternity, even before spending their time with the Lord and the Father, they have already become functioning, productive elements, not just of the kingdom, but of heaven itself. I mean, visualize that. These weeds were supposed to be hacked down and thrown into the fire and burned, but now they're fruit-bearing vines. Titus 3.14, 
and let our people, meaning the church, also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. Well, then that means meeting the needs of others is bearing fruit. I am going to belabor this point, so be prepared for that. Because I know the person that wrote me isn't the only one that wonders, how do I produce any fruit? How am I productive? What do I do for the kingdom? You do a lot. But we have to do something. We can't just do nothing. We can't just sit around and go, well, I got my ticket to heaven. I'm just waiting for the train. No, it doesn't work like that. What is a prophet, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not do something with it, has no works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, what is a profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But if someone says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you faith by my works. Now we're justified by faith. Let's not confuse this, that you have to do something to be saved. He did all that. But you are verified that your faith will produce something. It produces an effort. It produces love. It it manifests something into this world. Dictionary Bible theme says faith fruitfulness still thinking faith here let's say that let's back up let's let's just let's go back to that for a second if you have faith belief in things not seen the evidence of things hoped for if you have faith that he is who he says he is if you have faith in him if you have faith in the word if you have faith in the Holy Spirit, then that's going to inspire you to do something. I don't understand people who sit on their spiritual cushions and do nothing with what the Lord has given them. Even if you just pray, even if you just make an, a point to say, oh, I'm going to pray for Richard or Firefall or the SRT. I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a commitment. Now you're manifesting your faith. Feeding the homeless, whatever it is, there's got to be action. The fire of the Holy Spirit produces action. Okay, now we can move on. Dictionary of Bible themes says fruitfulness is seen as a sign of blessing and closeness to God, just as barrenness may be seen as a sign of God's disfavor. Scripture stresses that faith is given in order that it may bear fruit. Ephesians 5, verses 8 and 9. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk in as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. See, it's always been there. What the fruit of the Spirit is. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Do you act in righteousness? Do you tell the truth? Do you act truthfully? That's fruit of the Spirit. So walking in the light of the Holy Spirit reflects his light to the world. Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace come from 
being spiritually minded, come from walking in the spirit, come from being attached to the vine. What does he produce? He produces peace. He produces rest. I can tell your walk by what's going on in your life and how you respond to what's going on in your life. And this isn't condemnation or criticism. I can tell the fruit and the size of your fruit and why the fruit isn't bigger, better, or sweeter by the things you have chosen to interfere with the connection between you and the vine. Again, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Three, three sections of three. If you want to memorize this section, remember, fruit of the Spirit, three sections of three. Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. That love, we may be on this for a little bit. I'm not sure how much else we're going to get once we talk about love. It's first thing mentioned, most important fruit of the Spirit. It's the spontaneous divine love, agape. It's a strong, ardent, tender, compassionate devotion to the well-being of someone. Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says, Love is unselfish, loyal, and benevolent intention and commitment toward another. The concept of the love of God is deeply rooted in the Bible. The Hebrew term kashed, kesed, I'm sorry, kesed, you say kesed, I say, refers to the covenant love of God, the God who remembers and keeps his covenant in spite of the treachery of people. He loves us even when we didn't love him, when we were unlovable. His faithfulness in keeping his promises proves his love for Israel and for all of humanity. Another word, ahava, can be used of human love towards oneself, another person of the opposite sex, or another person in general. It is used of God's love towards Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31.3, where he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, ahava, Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness, Cassette. It's all from and about God. You want to produce fruit? Love. Love God. Love the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself. See, that came to me today as I was meditating, dwelling on this study and the Word once I had gotten the notes done. So many people don't know how to love others because they don't love themselves. They don't see themselves as worthy. Not worthy of their love, let alone God's love. Maybe you need to change. That's We all do. But you can still love yourself because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Made in his image. Made according to his design. You are divine, designer goods. Made by Yahweh. In the New Testament times, there were three Greek words used for love. Eros, phileo, and agape. Eros is never used in the Bible. It's about sex. It's about lust. Nope. Phileo returns, refers to tender affection towards a friend or a family member. It's used to express God the Father's love for Yeshua, God's love for an individual believer, and Yeshua's love for a disciple. The word phileo is never used for a person's love towards God. The, the word 
agape is rarely used in extra-biblical Greek. It's used by believers, us, to denote the special, unconditional, unmerited love of God and is used interchangeably with phileo to designate God the Father's love for us and for the Lord. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Back up again. This is pretty good because I'm talking to you. Holy Spirit's talking to me. Now I need to back up a beat. Many of you just listened to me talk about God's love for you and something in your head said, he doesn't love me. Not like Richard says. I don't know him like Richard knows him. The only difference between you and me is I spend more time with him. I may have shared this story. I went to a men's retreat early in my walk. And I burned pretty hot for the Lord. That's that's kind of obvious. And even back then, I burned really, really hot. And I, it rubbed some people the wrong way. And one of the speakers, an older gentleman who I became close to, got up in front of the whole room. And I'm not sure what triggered his comment. I think there was some talk about me. And he just said out loud, talking about passionate love for God. And just when it looked at me, he pointed across the room and said, when I see Richard... I see somebody that loves the Lord more than I do. And I want that fire. How could you not love him like that? To say I was unlovable was an understatement. He loved me when I was demon-possessed. He loved me when I threw away my family. He loved me when I chose the world over family and over him. And he sought me and he fought for me. And he made a way where there was no way. So once I was found, why wouldn't I love him passionately? Why shouldn't you? God the Father's love for an individual, John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then we have Messiah's love for a disciple, John fifteen, John thirteen, twenty three. Now there was leaning on Yeshua's bosom bosom. I'm sorry, I <laughs> caught myself off guard with that story. <clears throat> Now, there was leaning on Yeshua's bosom one of his disciples, whom Yeshua loved. And John was writing about himself. John was wherever the Lord was. And if he could be leaning on him, he was. Love makes you want to be with somebody. Biblical love has our Abba Father as its object, as its focus, as its true motivator and its source because it reflects like a circle comes back towards us. He loves us. We love him upward and around, upward and around. Get the motion of the Spirit in your life. Start your day by telling the Lord how much you love him. Start your day by being thankful. Start your day in praise and worship. Love is a fruit of the Spirit, not directed towards the world or the things of the world. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You can't love them. You can't love the world, the 
the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You cannot love those things and love the Father too. You can't do it. In the ultimate example of God's love for us is the Lord. When he said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. John 13, 34. Says it again, John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Are you starting to see why it's the first fruit of the Spirit? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Romans 12.10. Remember, this is phileo love, which is where we get the word Philadelphia. This isn't agape love because we're not capable of that. He is. He gives it to us. We can try to offer unconditional love. First Thessalonians four nine. But concerning brotherly love you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. This is not an easy concept to me, never has been, especially wasn't when I first got saved. It's always been a work in progress. So don't kick yourself or be hard on yourself if you're struggling with this. And part of that comes from rejection. Part of that comes from the programming we bring with us into our relationship with the Lord, whether it was our parents or or a mate or somebody else in the world. We bring with us the wounds that his blood heals but we still remember. We still remember the sting. We still remember those moments, and we have to let them go. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. Boy, it must have really been important that they wrote about it over and over. John, Peter, Paul. Jane, they all wrote about love. Why? Because it's the core of who he is, and it's the first fruit of the Spirit. 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, before we came on the air, before I came on the air, I just, I sit and I pray. Sometimes I'll listen to music. And I begin to wonder, why does the Lord want me to teach on this? Why? Is just so important, and it clicked. We taught on hope for a couple of weeks at a time when people are becoming hopeless, when banks are failing, governments are failing them, the world is coming apart, and now we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit because we're going to have to manifest this to the world, to people that have no hope, who are looking through their eyes and seeing the world without the faith and the hope that we have. So he is training us to be fruitful. He is watering us. He's He's been trimming and pruning us to prepare us for this time. 
First Peter 1, verses 5 through 9. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Right there, Second Peter 1, verses 5 through 9 is why we need to learn this. We're going to need brotherly love. If things get as bad as they could be, we're really going to have to take care of one another. We're going to have to look out for one another. And it would be so great to have a community or a place that that could happen. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Fruit of love produces a blessing, more fruit. You get blessed, you give it away. Are you getting it? Are you seeing what's happening here? Look at a grape. Look at that branch that has now got all these little stems on them that all have fruit. That's why the apostles taught about it in so such great length. That's why I believe the book of Acts Church exploded. It wasn't just the presence of the upper room, the fire. The Spirit produced fruit, fire, signs and wonders, love, salvation. I mean, it just rolled over the top of the enemy where he was getting slapped silly by the book of Acts Church and figured out the only way I can stop this is to keep them from being who they're called to be. And it took him 300 years, but he got it done. I'm saying we need to get it back. Well, the preeminent teaching on love we know is in 1 Corinthians 13, quoted at weddings when it's really just about being a believer. It's about the church. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, which is sin, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. And where there are tongues, they will cease. Second coming, church is not here. That's when they cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, second coming of the Lord, then that which is in part will be done away. You're only partially redeemed spiritually when you get your physical body that's what he's talking about. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, which I guess makes us pretty childish. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The fulfillment of all of that happens at the second coming, happens when we get our glorified bodies, happens when we are the perfect reflection and manifestation of Yeshua. But before then, we manifest this aspect of love to each other, and to the world. So there are nine ingredients to divine love. 
It's amazing how these things break up. Nine fruit of the Spirit, nine ingredients to divine life. And there is a pattern. There is a method to what the what the Father does. Don't have time to go into that right now. Maybe someday we will. Patience means you're in no hurry. You're willing to suffer long. You're willing to bear, believe, and hope, and endure all the things that that person does to you. It's the quality of not seeking revenge, but suffering and wrongdoing in order to act as if you're redeemed. Kindness. It never acts rashly or insolently. It's not inconsistent. It's not puffed up or proud. It's gracious, virtuous, useful, manageable, mild, pleasant, benevolent. It's the opposite of harsh, hard, sharp, or bitter. And do you know why we're not patient and you know why we're not kind? Because we've been hurt and we've been wounded and we have a a reaction when we are hurt and wounded from our old programming, from our old way of doing things. We want to lash out. We want to retaliate. We want to return that feeling to them. We want to take back the powerlessness that we feel, gain power by throwing it back at them. And that's, that's if you're saying it out loud, you realize how ridiculous that sounds. Generosity means we're not envious or jealous. We don't covet or desire what someone else has. We're happy for them that they have it. Another aspect of divine love is humility. This wipes out most of the televangelists. But humility doesn't parade itself around, doesn't have any airs. It does what it does, then it withdraws out of the spotlight. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. If you have humility, if you have that aspect of love, you don't promote yourself over the other. You're not self-important. Being courteous is an act of love. It means you're always polite. You're always at home with everybody, with every class or structure, with stratus in society. You're never rude or discourteous. I've seen lots of this, and I've seen an incredible lack of this in the church, from the church. Believers are to avoid any appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from every form of evil. Divine love is unselfish. It seeks only the good of others. It doesn't seek its own. Paul sent Timothy in Philippians 2.20 and 21 for this very reason. He says, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Meaning, this is why I'm sending Timothy. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Messiah, Yeshua. He trusted Timothy to go and do the Lord's work and not to be there to set himself up, to put himself in charge, to steal the church, as many did and still do today. Divine love has a good temper. It's a loving disposition. It's never resentful. Not irritated, exasperated, or made angry. When Yeshua was hit, he did not retaliate. Again, because of my upbringing and my background and what I've been through, this is another area that I can struggle with. If I'm good and the spirit's good and i've fed on the spirit and i'm i'm doing everything else that's easy but if i've been thrown off or the enemy's done something or the world's done something the bank has done something or the government's anything the enemy can do to provoke us irritate us and exasperate us he's going to do 
That's why you need to stay prayed up. You need to walk in the Spirit. You need to stay attached to the vine. Divine love is righteousness. It hates sin. It's never glad when others go wrong. It's always glad to do goodness for others. It's always slow to expose somebody in their sin and eager to believe the best of them. It's always hopeful. It's always enduring. It believes the best about people. Remember, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. If if you love someone, you overlook the insult or the, the thing that they did that was wrong to you. Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Proverbs nineteen eleven: The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Why is that so difficult in this world? Why are we actually encouraged to retaliate? Good question. That's why I asked it. Think about that. Sincerity, that's an act of love. It's never boastful, conceited. You're not a hypocrite. You're always honest, even to a fault, even if it hurts you. It leaves no impression but what is strictly true. It's never self-assertive, does not blaze out in passionate anger, nor brood over wrongs. It's joyful, truthful, to be silent, and it's always present. Oh, my gosh. I'm saying this out loud. I'm getting the fact that the reason this is the first fruit of the Spirit is because all the others hinge on it. First John 2, verses 7 through 11. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. And he's referring to the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Hear, O Israel. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you because darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And here's where he drops the bomb on the church. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now, even now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We're not called to condone sin. Oh, no, no. Don't get me wrong. We hate the sin, but we have to love the sinner because we used to be them. We used to be in bondage. We used to be deceived. We should know what it feels like. That's why we offer them grace. Psalm 97.10, you, you who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. and Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. But loving the sinner, as was done for me, brings the fruit of repentance. More fruit. Now, after all the things I've just shared about love, and this is by no means a total complete study, but this is as much as we're going to cover because we only have, I will only go an hour. Do you have any aspects of this love in you? Did anything I explain or describe Describe you. If so, you've produced fruit. Are you listening to me? You know who I'm talking to. 
you have already produced fruit. Now, what your desire now is to be more fruitful. And you do that by 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, there's more to that, but that would require me describing it, and we will do the spiritual gifts another time. Romans 5.5, we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. Now, hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, given to us by Yeshua, sent him back from the throne room, connects us directly to him through the throne room, gives us hope, gives us the love of God, pours out through us. We give it to others. 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. That's the one that nails me. I wouldn't have loved me. I would have hit me with a lightning bolt. I'd have fried me for what I did. Walking out of my family, abandoning my wife, abandoning my son, becoming the very thing I hated and doing what my father had done to me. but he didn't see me as I was. He saw me as he knew I could be because he loved me. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Messiah Yeshua. For by grace, you, yes, you, You have been saved through faith, and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I know you were mistreated by your father, by your mother, by friends, by loved ones, husbands, wives. Everybody's got their own story. They've been victimized by someone. Convinced that you were unlovable. That you're a failure. That you're no good. Never going to amount to anything. And it was all a lie. Because he loved you. I didn't. I had a father that treated me like that, but I had a mother that did her best to make up for it. But the problem was there was a hole in my heart that only he could fill, that only he could heal. She she remarried a man whose name I carry, who did his best to be a father, but because of the wounds and because of the the hate that I had and the unforgiveness, I never, during that period of time before I got saved, could accept it. And so, therefore, what was done to me by my earthly father stole from him as well by the man who adopted me and gave me his name. But God the Father, Abba, where this all started, he's the gardener. He's the one who planted the vine. He's the one who made that vine for Israel, and then grafted us into that vine. He owns the vineyard. He tends it. He waters it. He protects it and cultivates it so that it produces the maximum maximum yield of sending his son to die for the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So for us... 
to continue to produce fruit. We have to be in constant union with the source of the fruit. Yeshua is the vine. We're the branches. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit comes from him, flows through us. So this, our walk as a believer is successful. It's dependent upon the constant flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's why I talk so much about it. That's why I, I spend so much time with him. Is because he connects me to the throne room. I don't need an intermediary. I don't need a man, a woman, or anybody else. I can go right to the throne room because I'm connected through the Holy Spirit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm connected to my Heavenly Father. I have access at any time. And that was what the Lord wanted. John 17, verses 24 through 26. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. This is what being born again is about. This is what the relationship with Yeshua is about. I have made your name known to them and revealed your character, your very self, and I will continue to make you known that the love which you've bestowed upon me may be in them, felt in their hearts, and that I myself may be in them. This is ongoing through the Holy Spirit, through the upper room. That's what it was all about. Fruit is only possible when we're connected to him. But when we are, it's assured that we're going to produce fruit. Because the life of Messiah in us, it saturates us, it soaks us, and fruit's inevitable. Let me close with this, Romans fourteen seven. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We know that those are fruit. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit isn't from religion. It's from relationship and being fruitful righteousness, peace, and joy. The other fruit we've mentioned, which we're going to pick up next week, is a byproduct of your relationship with the Lord and is an aspect of living in the kingdom of God. You have already produced fruit, and you will continue continue to produce more fruit. So right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that fear of rejection, that lying spirit, everything that the enemy has said to your children to convince them of anything but the word in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, you must flee. We are saved. We are redeemed. We have been bought with the price because of his love. Now you receive that and you believe that and go forth and be fruitful in Yeshua's name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, Adonai, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.